You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Ryan Kimler, the founder and owner of Net Profit CFO. Ryan, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I'm really glad to be here. Really happy to be a guest. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. So our listeners are mostly small law firm owners. Being a business owner myself for the last 22 years, in December, it will be 22 years. I'm dating myself here a little bit. Yeah. I know firsthand that most small business owners cannot tell the difference between bookkeepers, accountants, CPAs, and God forbid, CFOs. <laughs> sure. So I want to start here because like, I'm sure people who listen to this, majority of them, 90%, will not know what a CFO does and what is the difference between, again, bookkeepers, accountants, CPAs, and CFOs. Yeah. So I'm happy to kind of run through that real quick. And actually, I just heard someone else's phrasing the other day that I really liked. So a bookkeeper, their job is really to create books, right? Or create financials, right? And for the most part, they're doing it for tax purposes, right? So they're they're building you financials and that's something that you would take to your tax accountant, so that they could file your taxes at the end of the year, right? That's what most bookkeepers do. Just to clarify that. So basically yep. data entry and making sure that the data is correct in your QuickBooks or whatever accounting software you're using. Yep. They're creating financial statements basically out of the transactions that you're running through your business, right? The income transactions that are coming in and the expenses that are going out on your credit card and for your business. Mm -hmm. So then an accountant, you know, their job is really to kind of take the books a step further and really analyze the books, make sure that everything is really booked correctly, make sure that they're really ready to prepare taxes. Or, you know, if you're looking to get a loan or something like that, take to the bank, right? So accountants really take that a step further. And then a CFO's job is really to advise on the books, right? So you have these financials put together by your bookkeeper, and then maybe you have an accountant in there that really analyzes it, make sure everything's right. And then a CFO's job is really to give advice on it, right? To analyze the strengths and weaknesses that you have in the business and then really propose corrective action based on those numbers to the owner, to the business owner. That's really the big value of having a CFO is that they bring the advice to the table. They bring the, the advisory kind of like a financial guide for the business owner. Interesting. So to me, in business, the love language is the language of numbers. Yep. I know having worked with an incredible amount of small business owners, including so many lawyers, most people who start businesses, overwhelming majority of lawyers, if not every single one of them, are specialists in their trade and thus do not really, really understand the numbers. So that's a given. What is not given is that vast majority of lawyers, according to Clio's study, I think it's 2021 or 2022 study, a full 66% of all lawyers, roughly million people, are either self-employed or are working in very small law firms, like sub-10 attorneys. Yep. One way or another, they're somehow self-employed. They do not know numbers very well. More interestingly, not only do they not know the numbers, they do not understand why would I need a CFO? Like, I got an accountant who does my taxes. 
What's the point of having a CFO? And here's here's the thing. Our target audience, primarily people who listen to the show, are those lawyers who run 10 or fewer attorney law firms. When you think about them, right, an average attorney's billings could be like 250 to 400, maybe 450,000 per year tops, right? So you're talking about people, vast majority of them, who are running law firms that are smaller than $2 million in revenue. And to them, thinking about getting a CFO could be such a stretch. Like, what's the point of CFO? My office manager or my secretary or somebody else at the office like cleans up the books, submits it to our accountant. Our accountant does our taxes. Why would I spend money on CFO? Now, I want to connect the dots here. The name of your company is Net Profit CFO. So help me connect these dots. Like how does hiring you lead to making more profit? Sure, absolutely. So I completely agree with what you just said and completely hear what you're saying. And the big piece that really separates CFOs from other bookkeepers and accountants is the other bookkeepers and accountants, they're really built for compliance. They're really not built to help the business owner have a more profitable business, have more cash flow, and have a more healthy business, you know, based on like liquidity and solvency. That's a couple of accounting terms I kind of just threw in there. But and so having a CFO, you know, their job is really to help you do those things, help you have more profit, help you have more cash flow, help your business be better from a health standpoint as the industry looks at it, which liquidity and solvency. Basically, can you pay your bills in the near term and can you pay your bills in the long term? With technology, the way that things are today, you know, you take a law firm that's even five or $600,000 in revenue up to four or 5 million, they can really afford a service like myself, the net profit CFO, because I'm only working in their business part-time. But you also think about a business that's doing one or $2 million in revenue a year they're going to have some financial hurdles and they're going to have some financial challenges that they really need an expert by their side to help them solve. Like what? Just to start, 50% of businesses don't make it five years, right? Well, why is that? Only 4% of businesses make it to a million dollars a year. And I think it's because they don't have the help overcoming the financial challenges. They don't see when they're making a mistake. You know, like a lot of law firms hire too early right? That they're not really calculating what kind of a return they could get on that next hire. They are not really calculating how much cash it's going to take their business to pay that next hire while they're getting them ramped up and getting them trained. And so knowing when the right time to make that hire is and when they can actually afford it is a financial challenge that that they're going to face, you know, especially as you're growing from a million to say two, three, four million dollars, you're going to have to add staff, you're going to have to add more people, you're going to have to add more cases and not only attorney staff, but probably support staff as well. So that's one of the challenges that they're going to face as well as how do you know that you're getting a good return on your marketing? How are you evaluating that if you're not using numbers to kind of evaluate that, right? And Isn't that the marketing company's job though? It is. And I think in the conversations that I've had with you, you know, I think you do a great job of that. However, most companies out there probably don't. They deliver the service, right? Right. And they think that they're being paid to deliver the service. But the truth is that the marketing company, those that are paid for performance are supposed to deliver performance and they're supposed to measure that performance, but they don't, right? Absolutely. And for the firms that are growing and haven't hired an outside marketing company yet, 
they kind of have to do an evaluation on their own marketing on their own. There's no other firm to help them do it for them. And so how are you evaluating your marketing? How are you making sure that you're getting a good return? Because sometimes, you know, I've seen firms that their marketing efforts are just not scalable for the cases that they're getting now at the cost that they're getting them now, that down the road, it's, it's just not scalable. And so that's another challenge that they could face as well. Do you ever see the flip side of it? You started talking about law firms often hiring too early. Yep. I see on my end that law firm owners often hire too late. They're already drowning and they have no time to train. And they will just like reach out and grab anyone's helping hand, whether they're a good fit for the organization or not. Yep. I've seen that as well. And in both cases, what's really interesting is profit really suffers. Whether you hire too early or you hire too late, profit suffers dramatically. You know, I looked at a law firm, it was just like two weeks ago, okay? Two years ago, I looked at October through September because September books were the most recent close, but 2021 timeframe, okay, they're about 600,000 in revenue. 2021 up to the most current 22 timeframe doubled that business, right? So now they're about 1.2, 1.3 million. During that time frame, right? So most people think, oh, well, we've added all this revenue, we've added all these sales, all these new cases, right? During that second time frame, they were short staffed and their attorneys are working overtime, a lot of overtime, right? 80, 90 hours a week. Profits dropped from 34% year one to 8% year two. And so I have seen the opposite of that coin. And like I said, I mean, either way, making that higher at the wrong time, profit suffers, right? Because it's either too early and cash is flowing out of the bank without getting a return, or it's too late and your attorneys are working overtime and they're stressed and all that kind of stuff. And that also, you know, affects morale and company culture too. So let's imagine a hypothetical scenario. You become a partner. You're not a lawyer, but you become a partner. Like you buy into a law firm. Let's say they do that $1.5 million in revenue. They only bring you in as a partner to help them grow. And when I talk about growth, it could be revenue growth, profitability growth, right? And profitability could be reached in different ways, right? You can grow revenue and maintain your costs, or you can cut your costs, so many different ways. Today, you're that partner, not a lawyer partner, but you're a partner. Yep. What are the three ways that you would help improve profitability in the law firm that you just bought into? I would really evaluate where they're at. So to me, if you're not at a net income of 20 or 25%, there's no point in growing the business any further. Is that, is that the benchmark for law firms, 20 to 25% profitability? For me, it is. You know, I think industry standard is more like 12. For me, it's like, let's ramp that up and let's get it to 20 or 25. Because here's the thing. If you're, let's say you're a million dollar law firm and, and you want to go to the 2 million, okay? And we're going to add a million dollars in revenue. The reality is, is that adding revenue is adding more work, right? And adding more work means more staff, more management, all that kind of thing. There's more cost. work. Yeah, more costs. There's work that goes into scaling. And so to me, if you're not at 20 or 25%, would you really want to add a million dollars to your business and only keep $80,000? To me, that kind of sucks. Like if I can, I would rather be optimized and then grow and let's keep 200 or $250,000, right? Because the thing is, is that after net profit, there are still other expenses that cash flow leaves the business, right? If you're paying down debt, paying the owner's distributions that, you know, that's after the you know net income, not buying assets that doesn't come up too often with 
law firms, but let's say you are building out more office space and you're buying furniture and things like that, that's cash flow that's leaving the business that's not taken out of net income. So number one is let's evaluate net income. Let's see where we are. If we're not optimized, why are we not optimized? Most of the time it's in personnel. That's just where it is. And that's the first thing that I would dive into, right? And our target is that 20, 25% net profit at the years or every quarter's end. Yeah. For the most part, I would say every quarter's end, right? There's, I mean, you know, there is, I understand that there's some seasonality in some practices, right? Where the traditional model is there's a ton of billing that happens at the end of the year. But for the most part, I would say per quarter and definitely over the course of the year, we want it to average out to that 20 or 25%. And there might be some ramp up time too, right? Like if you're not there seven or 8%, we're not going to make that change in a month. It's going to take some time. And optimizing um, billing is really important. Like if yes. you do all of your, most of your billing at the year's end. Yeah. And that happens in a lot of firms. They're trying to reach year end goals. November, December is a crazy month for them. They're billing like crazy, right? Like my goal would be to level that out, right? Yep. But definitely, you know, just evaluating how the attorneys are billing and, and how well they're doing and getting down to an ROI per attorney would be one of the first things that I would do if I was made partner, just brought in to help grow revenue and profit. And I just want to make another side point, right? Yep. Building your customers, your clients at the year's end is not a good experience for your clients. Yep. Do not delay your billing until like December 15th. That is not the Christmas gift that they're looking forward to. <laughs> just just yep. don't. Spread it out. Yep. yep. Yeah, I agree with that. How do you optimize profitability per attorney? So the biggest thing is, especially for those law firms that are billing hourly, for their time is it comes back to a, an attorney billing goal is kind of weighing how hard do we expect our attorneys to work, right? Probably 49 or 50 weeks out of the year. How much do we expect them to be billing each week? And every attorney is different, right? Some attorneys, as they become more senior, start doing more marketing and relationship activities that they're bringing in cases for the firm. Versus some of the younger attorneys that are newer, they're doing more of the work and they're doing more of the learning to build up their skills. The growth. Yeah. Those attorneys, you know, lower level, you should be getting a minimum return four or five times, you know, their, their true cost. Yeah. And I like to include not just salary, but also let's do an estimation on what we're paying employer taxes wise what we're paying benefits wise, right? What we're paying them time off wise, right? Total cost. Total cost. Yeah. Four or five times on the, what you would call the grunt work attorneys. Yeah. You get an associate, right? That grunt attorney. If your total cost here, 100K, they better be billing 400 or more. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's say that the billable rate for those associates is 225 an hour, $200 an hour, right? Yep. How do you do that? Like, like just mathematically, I'm trying to figure out how to do that because if they're billing 200 bucks an hour, mm-hmm. to get to 400,000, they actually have to bill for like every hour of every week. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. And, and I would turn that around and ask if that's not realistic, then maybe our two other factors in that, maybe our price point or what we're paying them is wrong. Why is it important? This is like a mission critical question. Why is it important to bill four to five times more than what you're paying them? Sure. Absolutely. So there's a really old saying, right? That you got to have a three X return. One third goes to pay the employee. One third goes to profit and one third goes to overhead. 
really, really old saying from a long time ago. And some of that, you know, really does still ring true, but there's going to be support staff that are not billing at all. You've got an entire accounting finance department team that you've got to have, even if it's just part-time or even if it's, you know, just outsourced, right? So, you know, the idea that you're only getting a 3x return on those attorneys that are really grunt work attorneys and all they're doing is attorney work, that's not helping you cover your other office staff, right? Like if you have a front desk person and stuff like that. And the seniors, the senior senior lawyers who are going out there and getting that business. Yeah. And as you move up the scale from grunt work attorney, we'll call them or associate attorney to partner, you expect your return based on salary to decline, right? That if it starts out at five, it's probably declining down towards that 3x return. So every percentage point that you can get off of the middle level and lower level attorneys is just more profit that you're adding to the business and more room for error in your other expenses. Because you know, no matter what, I mean, I could tell a firm, you know, I don't want our marketing spend to be over 10 or 15% of revenue, or I don't want our overhead to be over 20 or 25% of revenue. But we can set those targets, we can set those goals, but are we going to exactly meet those goals head on or, you know, right on the spot every year? No, probably not, right? And so that additional return on those lower level and middle level attorneys helps build in some wiggle room. Let me stop you right here and just put a little plug for you here. Here's why you hire a guy or a gal like Ryan. I am a finance head. I have a degree in finance going back 20 something years, but still a degree in finance. I know finance really well. And I understand the interworkings of a law firm. This ratio of actually like looking to bill your junior attorneys at four to five times of what they cost you is new information to me. Chances are, if you are the principal of your law firm or one of the managing partners, you're probably too busy to look at these numbers and control these numbers on periodic basis. When I say periodic basis, we're not talking about daily, we're not talking about weekly, but you better rest assured that you have to look at this once a month and once a quarter and semi-annually and once a year. And somebody has to control this and like ring the alarm when the numbers go off rails as they inevitably would if you do not have somebody who is managing these costs in proportion to the revenue that you're bringing in. That's the value to me of what Ryan or any other well-versed CFO would do. This is not about tax prep. This is not about basic accounting. This is not about, God forbid, bookkeeping. It's about making you more profitable through certain levers. And my understanding is that if you have a CFO who understands what they're doing, your cost of that CFO will be absolutely zero at the year's end for a very simple reason. The amount of money that they should be helping you either save or make will be disproportionately higher than what you would be paying them. Thus, your return on investment can be like 7x. 10x, 15x, 20x. This is why when you look at like large corporations, very large corporations, they pay their CEOs and COOs and CFOs like multi, multi, multi-million dollar comp packages because the return on that multi-million dollar comp package is astronomical if they're doing the right thing, right? But I just know with specialists like attorneys running their own businesses, 
This is different type of specialized knowledge that most of you probably do not have. And I am a finance head and I didn't know this, right? And even if you knew this, why would you do this yourself? You should be spending time on where you're getting the highest yield per hour. That could be either lawyering, which I'm not in favor of. If you're the CEO attorney, you should be focused on growing your business. Or better yet, you should be the CEO of your business focused on growing the business. And your cost per hour or your revenue, your profitability per hour should be much higher than what you would be spending on a fractional CFO like Ryan. This commercial was brought to you by Sasha Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. No, that, that But no. it's the truth, right? You, you're is, talking about absolutely. things that I assume most lawyers just do not know. And here's how I know. We have so many clients that are like, under 1 million, between 1 and 2 million, between 2 and 5 million. And I just know their headcount in comparison to their revenue, there's no $400,000 per head. They're very fortunate if there is like 250 per head. Yep. I think that most of them are about at buck 50 per head. Yeah. If you were to help them optimize their like revenue per employee, the return on that investment would be ginormous. Yeah, it'd be huge. And one other thing that I would throw out for your audience, right? So I talk about a 20 or 25% net income. Well, what's the formula to get there, right? Mm-hmm. I like to see marketing spend around 10% or less, 10 to 15. I object to that. Depending on industry. I'm sure you do. I get it. And I'll explain why. I get it. But yeah. if but if you're optimized, right? I think if you're optimized, you can get there. I've seen firms yeah. that operate with less. Can't. Let me explain why. So Morgan & Morgan, the largest personal injury firm in the country, billion dollars in revenue. Yep. They don't have to argue that like, they do not have to spend money on marketing and advertising at all. How much would you guess they're spending? I don't know. I know PI can be really competitive. Everything um, is super competitive when it comes to lawyers. But yep. the other thing is too, sometimes, like especially when you get companies that big, they just overspend to write down their tax bill. Not the case. I talked to them. Okay. 160 million. That's their advertising budget for 2022. And they're going to bill, like they're going to earn in revenue, $1 billion. And we talked yeah. to lawyers and like, we'll look at how competition is spending in just about every facet of B2C law. Talk about personal injury, criminal defense, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. If yep. you're willing to invest 20 to 25% of your future revenue into marketing and advertising, you're going to have a steady inflow of prospective clients. If you're not, your competitors will be happy to take over that business. Sir, some of it too is narrowing in the market. You probably start out at 20% or 25%. And then as the business kind of grows, that probably slows down a little bit, right? And as you 100%. kind of get it, Narrowed in, right? So eventually, I'm not saying that it's starting out, but eventually, I think that you can have the revenue growth to get marketing in that 15% window. 15%, yes. I think you can, right? You can, you can. It will probably take you like three to five years to get there, but you can. Yeah. Absolutely. It takes some courage to spend 20, 25% of your future revenue. But once you get over that hurdle that I need to invest that much into getting more clients, once you get over that hurdle, in a hurry, you better be getting a coach and becoming that CEO lawyer yep. rather than a lawyer or getting somebody else to be the CEO of your firm because you will the grow. going to take off and grow. Yeah. And, and you will not catch up and that will be a little, you'll have a little problem. Sorry. Yeah. And then, you know, if we keep 
payroll around 40% of mm-hmm. revenue and overhead somewhere between 20 and 25. I mean, especially yep. now in kind of the pandemic age, right? Where some attorneys are working from home, right? Working yep. from their home office. It means less office space, less overhead. You, you keep don't have your... to drive to client meetings. Clients do not come to you. Sure. You keep Unless your you're criminal defense and you have to go to jail. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the courthouse. Yeah. You keep your expenses in those kind of ranges and you can get up to that 20, 25% net income. So you've got to have a return on your staff. So a quick check for your listeners. If you take your total payroll expenses divided by revenue, 40% is around where it should be. And if it's way over that, if you're like 60, 65, you've got an issue. You've got a challenge there that needs work. Unless it's a really small law firm, like $400,000 in revenue. Yeah. It's going to be really hard to keep your entire payroll at like 160. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah. I'm talking firms that are five, 600,000 and probably even a little larger than that, closer to the million, 2 million kind of firms. Yep. Yeah. That payroll should really get narrowed down to about 40%. Um, tapering off as percentage of revenue. Yeah. Yes. That's the goal. By the way, this is one of the reasons why you want to grow larger than mm -hmm. staying smaller. And as you mentioned, 4% of all small businesses will reach $1 million in revenue. And I've been there with four businesses already. Like being a $1 million company is difficult. Yep. Like you want to keep growing or you will stagnate and start declining. And I promise you, I've done this more than once. Once you get to like three, $4 million in revenue, it's magical. Yeah. It is like magical because your life will change for the better. It takes some courage and quite a bit of work to get there. But once you do, holy shit, like your life will change. And by the way, when recessions happen and many law firms get affected by recessions, going down even 50% from 3.6 million then from 1 million, like if you're 3.6 million and you have a contingency plan when business starts shrinking, yeah, you're going to be okay. I mean, you might give up that boat or the vacation house, but that's about it. But if you're going from 1 million to 500,000, that's going to sting really bad. And this is also why we target 20 and 25% net income. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because then when recession happens, right, and things get a little worse, can you live with a 10% net income for a few years? Yeah, absolutely. You but can. should you? Should you? No. Right. But, you have to have but, that contingency plan. Correct. But if you do run into a session for a year, right, is it great? No. Can you live with it? Yes. You know, you can, right? And, and that's also why we target high net income and high cash flow, right, and high <laughs> business help. You know, I like to get law firms to the point where they've got four to six months worth of expenses sitting in the bank that literally sales and billing stops tomorrow and you can still pay your bills for four to six months. No, right? that's a lot of people will object to that and say, but look, like inflation is 15, 20, 30, 40, 50% depends on what products and or services you're looking at. Yep. Like, should they really be sitting on that much cash? I totally hear what you're saying, right? And, and By the way, we, we are. Right. I know exactly why. Yeah. You could also take that money and invest it somewhere conservative, conservative, where you're getting, you know, a few percent kind of offset inflation, but yet the money's there if you need it. Mm-hmm. Right. Let it, me pitch in a quick idea, like how you could be allocating that cash when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Because inevitably it will. Like right now, we've been in the longest run between recessions, 14 years, like 
almost never happened before. Usually yeah. it's like five to seven years, right? So, all right, here we are in the recession. What do you do with that cash that you stashed away? By the way, by the way, I've heard so many smart people saying that like cash is trash. And I call bullshit on that. <laughs> Best money guy out there, Warren Buffett, has been moving more and more and more to cash when things were really good. Yep. I made very few mistakes in over 70 years of recorded history. Yep. Right? There was a very good reason why he was moving to cash. One of them is when things go down, when there is a recession, there are investment opportunities abound. When things are great, your investment opportunities are really crappy. You do not want to be investing when everything is at like all-time highs. You want yep. to wait for that recession. The other thing is you will need some cash to survive inevitable downturns. Yep. The other thing is, if you own a small business and you already know how to operate that, guess what you can do with that cash in downturn? You don't have to invest it in Wall Street. You can buy another business. You can Absolutely. integrate with another law firm, larger or smaller. There are loans like SBA 7A that you can use with a 10% down payment and buy another business. Let's imagine that you are running a $2 million law firm. And then there is another one where an attorney is just like the managing partner or the principal. He's tired of running and it's like a $5 million firm and it just went down to $3 million. He's like, it's time to retire. Would anyone buy this? Yeah, yes, you can. Let's say that he sells at like one times revenue. Well, you just have to shell out $300,000 down payment, SBA 7A loan, here I come. And all of a sudden you go from $2 million in revenue to $5 million in revenue. Yep. And that business also has the potential to go back up after you get back out of the recession too, right? I mean, 100%. Get, get back to the levels where it was at. The other thing I would tell your listeners too is when you build your business high net income and you really bank that cash, then you're really at an advantage to go to the financial institutions, get a line of credit, right? Not that you have to use it, but they're more willing to lend to somebody that has money than somebody that doesn't. 100%. When you don't need right? it, they'll give it to you. When you need it, they won't. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's the time. And then when the recession hits, you're also more prepared. So, But there is a caveat on that, right? So a mistake many small business owners make, and I assume lawyers are in the same boat, mm -hmm. is that because they have cash in the bank, they will be slow to make painful decisions like letting go of your staff that may have been with you for years because they feel like family. But the truth of the matter is that if you do not respond quickly to serious recessions, right? Lasting recessions, yep. your family will go down with you because of your decisions. So yeah. that is a serious thing to keep in mind. Like I love every single one of my employees, but I love my family just a little bit more. Sorry, guys. Right? And the thing is like this business like has to survive no matter how bad the recession is. So you have to have that contingency plan. Like if we go down by 20% top line, the revenue, like what are we going to do? And we have to do it fast. Yep. The bigger the business gets, the more highly leveraged your decisions as an owner really have financially, right? The more impact your decisions have financially. Yeah. The bigger the business gets, you're getting more highly levered. Completely agree with you. Explain that to our listeners. So, you know, if you make a mistake with a business that's a million dollars, let's say it costs you 10% of revenue, you're talking about a $100,000 mistake. You double that business when you're at $2 million and it costs you 10% of revenue. Now you're talking about a $200,000 mistake. And that's your kid's college fund, by the way. <laughs> I, yeah. I measure our mistakes in terms of Ferraris and vacation homes. Yeah. 
I'm like, hey, we just made another $300,000 mistake. WTF, that was a Ferrari. Yeah. And for everybody listening, just a short plug for myself. If you make a Ferrari mistake, you should probably call me because I don't cost as much as a Ferrari. I guarantee you that. Oh. <laughs> I also assume that, again, like it's not that what you cost. I think that your services have got to be 100% positively, without any doubt, absolutely free. You may oh, yeah. think about like, like I, this isn't an, an expense, but the truth of the matter is there are a number of resources, outsourced resources that you can get that actually at the end of the year cost you nothing and help you improve your profitability and certain resources that help you improve revenue. It's just a mindset shift. And the thing is that because all attorneys are trained in law schools to be specialists in their field, like that mindset, that knowledge is not taught there. I find that, that like most lawyers are incredibly smart people, incredibly capable, but because of the limitations of their schooling, most of them do not do incredibly well. Like median income and BLS, I think the last time I looked at the data, it goes back to 2020. I don't think there is data for 2021 yet, but in 2020, median income for attorney in the country was like 122,000. It's not too little money, but like if you live in Chicago, where I live, that is not a lot of money. Right. It's not a lot of money at all. Right. So your spouse better be working and making the same amount of money. And then you're like, okay, not great. Yeah. Okay. Right. But these are incredibly smart people. Right. So oh, yeah. if they were to gain that business acumen, they could do tremendously well. Like when you look at the top one, two, three percent of lawyers who make tremendous amount of money. It's not because they're the best lawyers out there. It's because they have tremendous business acumen. They just figured out the business aspect of it and they're making bank. Yeah. Going back to that example I shared earlier, right? Where I had the law firm that doubled and profits dropped to 8%. If I can help them grow just the 20% net income, right? You're talking about adding $150,000 in net income. Yep. That's six or seven times return what they're going to pay me. At that point to them, it's a no-brainer, right? And it's it it's no helping law firm owners along the way, helping them get that business acumen and, and know their numbers. And like you said, then they can really, their success can really take off. Yeah. This has been a riveting conversation. I've really enjoyed it. It's been awesome. It's great to talk finance with other finance people. It is great. Yeah. But I think that we deciphered it to the point where someone who is without the finance background can clearly understand what we're talking about. If you didn't, like wherever you're listening to this, email me, email Ryan. Or Ryan will share his contact info in a second. My contact info, Sasha at growlawfirm.com. And we'll gladly, Ryan should be like sharing this information. By the way, Ryan, if someone wants to connect with you, by the way, most of your listeners should probably be connecting with Ryan sooner rather than later. Most of you, like once you connect with him, will probably think I should have connected with Ryan 10 years ago when Ryan was five. I'm kidding. Ryan, you just look super young. <laughs> yeah. So, but so, but so does Mark Zuckerberg, right? Yeah. <laughs> so connect with Ryan, just have a conversation. Ryan, do you offer some sort of like a special assessment for your prospective clients where can, you can just give them like surface level assessment and say like, this, this, this could improve your profitability by this, 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 this much. Yeah, absolutely. So I do, I call it my uh, key trending numbers assessment. And really it's a review of the last couple of years. That's, that's what I did for this law firm that I kind of shared the case study on. Yeah. It's a review of the last couple of years. We look at their really key important numbers that's driving their revenue, profit, and cash flow. Very basic entry-level assessment, but really shows the law firm owners where they're at 
and how they can pivot and put more profit and cash flow in their business starting the next day after we cover the assessment. So yes, absolutely. What does um, that service cost? It depends on the size of the business. Um, the you know, if you're talking a million dollar business, probably a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks, something like that. It's worth five, six thousand easily, right? I mean, the profit potential out of it is easily five or six times, seven times more than that. So yeah, typically somewhere around a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars, something like that. Yeah, I think, and this applies to all business owners. We all pay for good financial business advice, one way or another. How do people connect with you? Yeah. So the best place to find me is netprofitcfo.com. And you can email me, ryan at netprofitcfo.com. Ryan, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I think we're going to circle back and have even a more in-depth conversation in a few months because we have to wrap up for today, but I have a lot more questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really great. You know, especially here in a couple months after the year wraps up, I know that, you know, next year there's going to be a lot of law firms that are trying to put their financials together, trying to decide what do I want to do this year, right? And that planning period is is a crucial time to have some expertise brought in. So a couple months down the road is really, could be really, really helpful for your listeners. By the way, this is not for this year, but for the next year, all good businesses do their financial planning for the next year in October if not September. And we're recording this October 7th, 2022. So yep. if you haven't started working on your financial plan for year 2023, you're kind of falling behind. So the best time to reach out to Ryan is like now, <laughs> if not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then as soon as you listen to this, connect with him. Ryan, what's your email address once again? Ryan at netprofitcfo.com connect with Ryan. You will not regret it. Another five second commercial for you. Thank you. By the way, Ryan is not paying me for this commercial. It's just I 100% believe in what he does. That's just that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.